walk, sit, walk, stand. If only we will not try to gain the victory, but simply to maintain it, then we shall see the enemy utterly routed. We must not ask the Lord to enable us to overcome the enemy, nor even look to him to overcome, but praise him because he has already done so. He is victor. We remember that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And the way we put this truth into action in our lives is by reflecting this posture of being seated. We are seated, still, resting in Jesus. We're not effective by sheer effort, willpower, or religious practices, but by resting in him and letting the Holy Spirit work through us. We worship him through this rest. He is our one and only sovereign king, and he has made us part of his kingdom. Nothing comes before him. Before we take the communion elements, let's take a quiet moment to ourselves to remember the power Jesus has given us through his resurrection, to remember that you're a new creation. In this moment, instead of asking him for peace or strength or patience, let's put truth into action and thank him for it. Here at Grace Covenant, we celebrate open communion, which means you don't have to be a partner here to join us in communion. If you have a relationship with Jesus and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, then we welcome you and we invite you to share communion with us. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to it. He gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that takes away our sins. I praise you for this amazing grace. And Lord, I ask for revelation. I ask that you open the eyes of your children, Lord. Open our eyes to the truth to, that our old selves were crucified and buried with Christ. That you have done a new thing and we are a new creation. Lord God, open our minds and hearts to the knowledge that as a new creation, we are worthy to be the temple you indwell. Lord, grant us the understanding that we might consider it so, that we count it as done. And Lord, help us to present ourselves to you fully. Let us turn over every area of our lives and search our hearts for things we are refusing to surrender to you. Lord, we pray that you be glorified, Father, and that as your children, as new creations, as heirs to the kingdom, we thank you that we share in your glory. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours forever. Amen. Thank you for your sacrifice, Jesus. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name. Into the night, and through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. Your work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ. 
Let's praise him. Let's praise him today. He's our living hope. He has given us the victory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. 
Welcome to Grace Covenant Church, this beautiful, beautiful spring day. We've just been enjoying the weather, haven't you? Been enjoying that winter, spring, summer, fall, all in one day that North Carolina so beautifully gives us. Amen. I want to especially welcome any first-time guests with us. We are so glad that you are here. We'd love for you to text us and let us know that you're here or visit us in Guest Central. You can text guest, the word guest, to 704-486-9664, or our Guest Central is straight out these doors, straight into the gathering place. We'd love to answer any questions you have and uh, get to know you. Well, at Grace Covenant Church, we have four core values. That is to connect with God and others, to grow in our faith, to serve others, and to go around the corner and around the world. Connect, grow, serve, and go. As a matter of fact, would you say that with me? Connect, grow. I, I, I messed myself up. Let's do it again for me. Connect, grow, serve, and go. Fantastic. There's some great opportunities for you to just to do just that. We have them in your worship guide, some opportunities to grow in your faith, to build your life on, uh, on God's word. I want to specifically highlight two things for you. The first is our summer camps that are coming up, including our for our students and our kids, including our all-star camp, which is happening right here. Over the two weeks of all-star camp, we have 800 slots for kids, and three of them, 300 of them have already been taken. So move quickly to get your kids registered for all-star camp. That's my encouragement to you. Also, the student and kids camps are uh, great opportunities for your kids to grow in their faith and connect with God and with others. Many other opportunities are in there, and I want you to take full advantage of those. Tonight, we have our pursuit class with our young adults. I, I'm sorry, it's a, it's a worship night pursuit with our young adults. It's going to take place at 6.30 up in the young adults room. And uh, I just want to commend and give my gratitude to Jonathan Gobelt and his wife, Emily, and the great job that they are doing leading our young adults. Well, there's three opportunities for you to give this morning. We have boxes by every exit door. You can also give through the Grace app or give through Grace Online. Would you join me in praying for the offering in the word this morning? Father, we thank you today for your goodness to us. We ask that you bless the gifts that we bring today. And Father, we ask that you bless the word. May we hear it receptively today, knowing, Father, that you have something just for us. We open our minds and our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Good morning, Grace. What a fun time to worship with you today. Before I uh, jump into the message this morning, I want to welcome one of my friends in a ministry that we, as a church family, support on a consistent basis. It's the uh, North Carolina Boys Academy uh, up in Conover. They do a phenomenal job shaping and investing into the lives of young men. So Pastor John and the crew, what, what, go ahead and stand. Let's welcome the North Carolina Boys Academy here with us today in worship. Great to have you down from Conover. Pastor John, we love you, we love what you're doing there, and thanks for giving us an opportunity and investing in a ministry that's, that's shaping young men's lives, so we're grateful for the work that you do there with the Boys Academy and Ministry of uh, Team Challenge, and so great things happening. Well, this morning you can grab your sermon notes, we're going to be looking at several different passages of scripture, so there's not just one specific passage that I'm going to be taking you to, but this morning we're launching into a new series on God's kingdom. And over the next few weeks, we're going to discover not only what God's kingdom looks like, uh, but what does it mean for us to, uh, to live as kingdom citizens? As, as Christ followers, we are citizens of God's kingdom who've chosen to come under his rule and we're called to carry out his agenda. But it's impossible to carry out God's kingdom agenda if we don't know what it means to be a kingdom citizen. Right? Are you with me? That would be kind of like, for example, let's say that, that you got a new job and as you, um, as you were interviewed for the job and they gave you the job, probably at the time of that or maybe your first day on the new job, they would give you something like an employee manual. 
or a staff policy that would kind of give you the guidelines, the expectations, um, the perks and the privileges of what it means to be an employee of that business or that organization. But let's say that you took that employee handbook and you set it aside and you never became familiar with it. If you set it aside and never became familiar with it, then you wouldn't know the expectations, the guidelines, the requirements, or the perks or privileges that could be yours as an employee of that organization. So since you're not aware of what, what the guidelines are or what the handbook says, possibly you show up um, not following the dress code for that organization simply because you were not aware. Or maybe there's uh, like some kind of matching retirement that this organization provides, but you don't take advantage of it because you didn't know it was available. And I think oftentimes as we think of God's kingdom, many times we're not fully living out what it means to be a kingdom citizen. Because again, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are what? You are a citizen of God's kingdom. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a citizen of God's kingdom. But again, if we don't know what that means, if we don't know what that encompasses, then we miss out on what could have been ours. It's interesting, it's interesting that the number one thing Jesus talked about is the kingdom of God. Like it's everywhere throughout the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus was consistently referencing or talking about the kingdom. And since it's the number one thing Jesus talked about, I think we should know about the kingdom, the kingdom that we are citizens of, the kingdom that, that we are a part of. I, I want you to listen to some of the scriptures where the kingdom is spoken of. And I'm just going to pull a few out. I could, I could spend a lot of time this morning on different scriptures that speak of the kingdom. But in Matthew 3, 2, John the Baptist declared, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, it, it's coming. It's, it's coming as Jesus would come as the promised Messiah. Matthew 4, 23, the scripture says that Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom. In Luke 17, 21, Jesus said, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is, get this, the kingdom of God is within you. Where's it at? Within you. Then in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, Jesus prayed, these words, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Since Jesus talks so much about the kingdom, we need to make sure that we know what it is. So here's a simple definition, a simple definition of the kingdom. The kingdom is God's reign through God's people over God's place. Let me say that again. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is God's reign through God's people over God's place. That's the message of the kingdom in eight words. God's reign through God's people over God's place. You know, when Jesus came into our world, he did not come to start a religion. He didn't come to start this thing we call Christianity, the religion of Christianity as we would know it today. He actually came to give us the opportunity to become members of his family and citizens, citizens of his kingdom. Interesting, in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. Listen as I read this. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So it's through God's grace that we have the privilege and the opportunity not only of having our sins forgiven, but we're brought into the family of God. So salvation is not so much what you're saved from, though we are saved from our sin and our past. It's really about what are we saved for. And I think oftentimes we, we focus on what we're saved from, and that's a reason to celebrate, right? But we don't, we don't focus on what we're saved for, then live as kingdom citizens. In that same chapter, on down in verse 19, Ephesians 2, 19, Paul wrote these words, consequently, you're no longer foreigners, you're no longer aliens, but get this, you're fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. So Jesus came to establish God's kingdom on earth and open the possibility that we might be a part of God's kingdom, that we might live under God's rule and carry out God's rule on this earth. Dr. Tony Evans, uh, one of my favorite communicators in his book, The Kingdom Agenda, wrote the following. 
He says, throughout the Bible, the kingdom of God is his rule, his plan, his program. God's kingdom is all-embracing. It covers everything in the universe. In fact, we can, we can define God's kingdom as his comprehensive rule over all of creation. So as we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, when you made that decision, what did you do? You came under God's rule. Are you with me? You became a citizen of God's kingdom and you came under God's rule and God's reign. So as we think of God's kingdom, it's both the present spiritual reign of God established through Jesus Christ and the future realm over which you'll rule in power and glory. So it's both now and it's yet to come. It's now. It's happening now. Where is it happening? It's happening in you because Jesus said the kingdom of God is where? It's in you. You know, oftentimes when I hear individuals talk about the kingdom of God, they think that it's future. There's this future kingdom of God. Like, like when you die, you're going to go and be in heaven, and that's the, the kingdom of God. That's the reign of God. And I would say that's exactly right. God's kingdom is established in heaven, but it's also established on earth. So his kingdom is both present, but it's also now as we're living as citizens of God's kingdom. So we are those who have come under God's rule. We've been given God's power, the Holy Spirit, to carry out God's plan, which is to bring salvation for mankind. So the message of the kingdom is, is like it's not an escape from earth to heaven. And I think oftentimes that's, that's the mentality individuals have. Well, you know, God, just help me hold on for another day so I can get to heaven. And I think God's not so much interested today about getting you to heaven as he is to bringing heaven through your life on earth of bringing his kingdom present on your life in this earth, in this present reality where you work, in your neighborhood. God wants to bring his, his kingdom and his kingdom authority and his kingdom rule and his kingdom reign through your life where you live. So as followers of Jesus Christ, if you can think of it like this, we are dual citizens. We hold a dual citizenship. Not only are we citizens of the United States of America, this country in which we reside, but we're also citizens of heaven. So we carry this dual citizenship. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul wrote of this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. This is another scripture reads, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So obviously Paul here is speaking of the future. But we're citizens of this country, yet as Christ followers, we're citizens of his kingdom. So as we think about living out the citizen, uh, living as citizens of God's kingdom, I think it we're, there's a challenge that's created, and it's created by the form of government we have in our nation today. We have what we would call a, a, a representative democracy. In other words, you have a voice in. You can cast a vote, right? Ultimately, you hold some power, some authority as a citizen of this country because you can let your voice be known through your, uh, you can let your voice be known through the vote that you cast. So we have some authority. And so because we, our mind has been shaped by this um, representative democracy thinking, we ha we're a bit challenged when it comes to kingdom thinking. Because with, with a representative democracy, we want to talk about our rights. We want to talk about our privileges. We want to talk about, I have, you know, I have this right. And, and as we think about the kingdom, it's God's rule that has the final word. It's God's say that has the final word, right? Why? Because he's the king. And we've come under, we've come under his leadership. So to, to kind of help you better understand this concept of kingdom, let me see if I can break it down a little bit for you into four areas. First, let me begin with this. The Greek word that the Bible uses for kingdom is basilia, which means rule or authority. So as we, th as we speak of God's kingdom, we're speaking of his rule, of his authority. We're talking about his rule over his creation. Within every kingdom, whether it's an earthly kingdom or whether we're talking about God's kingdom, there's four things. There's a ruler, there's rulies, there's a realm, and there's regulations. Ruler, rulies, a realm, and regulations. So the ruler is the one who calls the shots, right? The ruler is the one who has the final authority. In nations where they have a, a monarchy form of government, there's a person, the monarch, who has the final authority. They hold the power. 
Well, in God's kingdom, he's the ruler. He is sovereign in that he has supremacy over all of his creation, both visible and invisible. So there's a ruler. Also in every kingdom, there's rulees. The rulees would be the subjects of the kingdom. These are the people who are part of the kingdom who come under the rule of the king. So in God's kingdom, he's the ruler. Guess who the rulees are? It's us, right? God's the, God's the ruler. We are the rulees. 1 Corinthians 1.13 says that everybody who's trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior has been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So, so we are the rulees who come under the rule and the reign of God. Then every kingdom also has a realm, a realm over which the king rules. There's this defined area over which the ruler rules. For example, Queen Elizabeth II is the monarch of the United Kingdom. She makes decisions that affect a defined realm, a defined area. She has the final say, the final word. But she can't make decisions for the country of France. Why? Because that's not under her realm. That's not under, that's not under her rule. So as we think of God's kingdom, the realm over which he rules is all of creation. Since God is the creator of heaven and earth, his realm includes, get this, all of it. All of it. In all of it, God has the final word. It's his realm. Then with every kingdom, there's regulations. Regulations that govern the relationship between the ruler and the subject. In God's kingdom, we have guidelines or, or truths that guide us as we're living as kingdom citizens. It's God's word that informs us. So as kingdom citizens, we are the rulings under God's rule over his realm, all of earth, both visible and invisible, and there's regulations, there's guidelines that tell us how to live as kingdom citizens. So we're living under the rule of God's kingdom for our benefit. He not only is God a good king, but he's a king that's working for our good. So as we think of Jesus coming to earth, we know that he came to earth. We celebrated this last week, and we know that Jesus came to earth to give his life that we might have life. And that's certainly true. But I would say one of the main reasons that Jesus Christ came was to establish God's kingdom. The main reason that Jesus came was to restore what was lost. To bring back what was lost. To take that which was lost and restore it, to restore it to us and for us. See, what was lost in the fall, he came to restore what was lost in the fall so that it could be restored to us as kingdom citizens. Now, before I get into this morning what's been restored to us as kingdom citizens, I want to share with you a fun story about something being lost and restored. Because that's what Jesus came to do. He came to restore that which was lost. Here's the story. There was a family that was uh, taking a trip, and they chose to travel on Southwest Airlines. And um, as they were taking their trip, Hagen, the young boy that's about three, um, lost his, his favorite toy. His favorite toy was Buzz Lightyear. Um, I, uh, yeah, here's a picture of Hagen um, and his favorite toy, Buzz Lightyear. Well, he, he lost Buzz on the flight, so the mom contacted Southwest Airlines to see if what was lost could be restored. And what's amazing in this story is uh, Southwest Airlines went above and beyond. Not only did they find Buzz Lightyear that was lost, uh, but they created a whole story as they sent Buzz back to Hagen with pictures. Matter of fact, let me show you a couple of these pictures. Yeah, uh, yeah here's Buzz. Uh, let's go to the next picture. And yeah, one more. Yeah, there's Buzz. And what's interesting, as they, as they had Buzz all pack, packaged up in a box with the pictures, they also included this letter. Let me read the letter for you. To Commander Hagen, I'm very excited to return to you upon completing my mission. I was able to explore the airport and spaceport in Little Rock, Arkansas while I was away, and I've included photos of my adventure. My journey has taught me a lot, but I'm so thankful to return to my buddy, to infinity and beyond, your buddy, Buzz Lightyear. All of this was in a box that was shipped back to, to Hagen. And as you can tell in this last picture... Hagen's pretty happy, right? He and Buzz have been, re, have been brought back together. But as I was, as I was reading this story, I thought this is a, really 
a picture of, I think for us, of what Jesus Christ has done. He restored to us that which was lost. Why did Jesus come to restore what was lost? So we have to go all the way back to the beginning, to the book of Genesis. I'm going to take you through several verses of scripture in the book of Genesis. Because there was something that was lost, actually several things that was lost in the fall. When Adam and Eve um, rebelled against God, when Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden tree that they had been told not to eat from, there was the crisis, there was the fall, and there were several things that was lost in the fall that Jesus came to establish. And all of this is a part of the kingdom. So as as we're launching into this series on the kingdom, we need to understand that Jesus came to establish the kingdom by restoring what was lost. So the first thing that, that was lost has been restored in God's kingdom is life. Life, abundant life and eternal life. In the story of the fall of man in Genesis 3 where Adam and Eve were tempted and, and rebelled against God, Genesis 3, 3 says this. Listen how the scripture reads. But God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. Now what we know is that they, they did. They, they ate from the tree. They did what they were not supposed to do. And the scripture says if you touch it, you'll die. Now obviously the scripture is not referring to physical death because we know that Adam and Eve didn't physically die. But what happened was this, there was spiritual death that came. As a result of their rebellion, as a result of their choice, as a result of their sin. So through Adam and Eve's disobedience, spiritual death came for humanity. But through Jesus' death and resurrection, the way has been opened for spiritual life. That's what the kingdom of God restores to us. Life. Listen to what Romans 5.17 says. This makes it so clear. It kind of helps us like bring all of the pieces together. Listen to how the scripture reads. It says, for if by the trespass of one man, that one man speaking of Adam. Paul's referencing all the way back to Genesis. He's referencing Adam. For if by the trespass of the one man, Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life, notice, reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So what was lost in the garden as a result of the fall, being life, Jesus Christ came to establish as he brought about God's kingdom. Not only... Not only has life been restored, but relationship with God has also been restored. You know, if you read the creation story, and I would encourage you to go back and just get familiar again with what's in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. But if you read the creation story as recorded there in the first few chapters of Genesis, you'll discover that Adam and Eve had like this unique relationship with God. The scripture seems to, re, to infer that God would come down in the cool of the evening and like hang out with Adam and Eve. Like they would have conversation. All of this was a part of, re, of, of the relationship that they shared with God. But following the fall, the rebellion, that, that unique relationship was lost. Due to sin, there was now the presence of shame and separation. Matt, following their choice to eat of the fruit, what did they do? The scripture says they went and hid. There was shame. There was guilt. Now we have the presence of sin. Now we have the presence of their rebellion. Matter of fact, listen to how the scripture reads. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man, Where are you? The man answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Listen, you never want to play hide and seek with God, right? Like, like you're not going to win, right? Like, where are you going to hide from God? But there's this interesting interaction that plays out here. But it was Adam and Eve's failure, their sin, that brought shame. Therefore, they were, they were trying to hide from God. And what we see here is that through the fall, the relationship that man had with God was broken. Like humanity was, was no longer at peace with God. When Jesus came to pay the penalty for sin, that humanity might be restored back, restored back to right relationship with God as God's kingdom was established. Matter of fact, in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, Paul wrote these words. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, notice we have peace with God. In other words, we're, we can be in right relationship with God. 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So the relationship that was lost, again, going back to the fall, the relationship that was lost has been restored with the coming, with the coming of God's kingdom. Not only has relationship with God been restored, but purpose, purpose has also been restored. What was lost in the fall? Purpose. It's interesting that as you read the creation story, that when God created mankind, when he created Adam and Eve, his plan was that man, which was created in the image and likeness of God, would be his representatives on earth. That was God's plan. What was man's purpose? To, to represent God. Matter of fact, Genesis 1.26 says that God, God said this, let us make man in our image and our likeness. So here's the Trinity conferring together saying, hey, let's make man in our image and our likeness. So man was created in the image of God to represent God on the earth. That's a pretty amazing responsibility. Listen, no other creation, no other creature was given that purpose, that, that opportunity, that responsibility. Listen, cows don't represent God. Elephants don't represent God. Giraffes don't represent God. Yet man was given this purpose. And the purpose was to represent God on the earth. And in the fall, it was that purpose that was lost. But today, through Jesus' death and resurrection, salvation is possible. And through our choice to believe and receive him, we can today become his representatives. So again, what is its purpose being restored? Matter of fact, Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Paul says, we are therefore, notice, Christ's ambassadors. We, in, we could insert the word representatives there. What's an ambassador? An ambassador is a representative. So we are therefore Christ's representatives as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So the purpose that was lost in the fall has been restored through Jesus' death and resurrection. So today as citizens of God's kingdom, we are his representatives to the world. We're representing God's kingdom on the earth. Quickly, here's the fourth thing that's been restored with the coming of God's kingdom and its authority. Authority to rule, to have dominion over. As we look back to the beginning, we find that Adam and Eve were given dominion or rule over the, over the earth, over all of God's creation. Matter of fact, let me take you back once again to Genesis 1:26. I referenced this earlier, but let me read the whole verse for you. Then God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness. And notice, notice what the purpose is, and let them rule. Have authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the, creat- uh, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So when Adam and Eve were created, they were c- created to rule. They had authority. They, ha- they were given dominion over all of the earth. And again, what was lost, it was that that was lost in the fall. But through Jesus, the church has been given delegated authority and the power of the Holy Spirit to operate today in God's kingdom. So what do we have as kingdom citizens? We have authority. Interesting, after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, before he ascended to the Father, I want you to listen to what he said to the disciples. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth have been given to me. Now I'm telling you, go. Go in that authority. Go in that, in that rule. And then interesting, just a few days later, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and again, all of this was between resurrection and ascension. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said this, these words to the disciples, but you, you will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you. That, that word power there is dunamis, dynamic, authority. You will have authority to carry out my kingdom agenda. You're going to be my witnesses. So what was lost in the fall in the Garden of Eden, Jesus Christ came to restore back to us being that of authority. Today we have authority to live as kingdom citizens. Lastly, not only has God restored authority for us as followers, as citizens of his kingdom, but here's the good news today, he's restored hope. What was lost in the fall is hope. 
The scripture, the scripture in Genesis talks about when Adam and Eve rebelled, when they sinned, sinned against God, not only was there spiritual death, but they were banished from the garden. They were separated from God. What? They lost hope. What did Jesus Christ come to restore for us as kingdom citizens? It's this whole concept of, of hope. That we can be in relationship with God. See, Jesus has made the restoration of relationship with God possible by providing abundant life and the promise of eternal life. Today, hope has been restored with the coming of the kingdom. And maybe the most famous verse in all the Bible gives us reason for our hope. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 reads like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him God didn't send his son to condemn us but to give us hope what do we have today as kingdom citizens we have hope in this life and hope for eternal life we live with confidence why because this is what we know we're citizens of God's kingdom we've come under his rule we're living out his authority on this earth and when our life on this earth is over what we know is we're going to be present in God's kingdom in heaven what we live with hope we have hope for this life and hope for eternal life this is what Jesus restored to us in and through the kingdom so so quickly in closing today this is what I want you to remember I've said a lot this way. I've said too much. I apologize for that. But I, I want you to remember these three things. First, the kingdom is God's reign through God's people over God's place. What is it? God's reign over God's people. I mean, through God's people over God's place. The second thing I want you, would want you to remember is the kingdom is not just future. The kingdom is now. God wants to bring his kingdom present in your life and through your life. So the kingdom's not just for you. We're not just waiting for the kingdom. No, the kingdom is now. It is within you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, where is it at? It's in you. And the third thing that I would want you to take away from our time this morning is that the coming of the kingdom happened through Jesus as he came to restore what was lost. To restore what was lost, to bring about God's kingdom on this earth. See, God didn't save you just to get you to heaven. He saved you so that he might bring you into his kingdom and manifest his kingdom through your life in a dynamic way as we're living as his representatives in this time. Well, this morning, I, I want to invite you to stand with me. This is how we want to close out our service today. We want to close out our service with a prayer, a prayer that we're actually going to sing together. And it's a, it's a song about inviting God's kingdom to come through your life here on earth. Let me read just one line or two lines out of this song. It says, we bring our shame, you bring redemption. You turn our chains into freedom. Where your love is found... There will be no fear. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done here. So more than a song that we would sing this morning, I would just invite you, allow this to be your prayer. God, manifest your kingdom through my life. Let's sing this together.
Let your kingdom come. I want to invite our prayer teams to come this morning as we conclude today. We have leaders available to pray with you, to pray for you if you have a need, whatever that might be. We would want to pray today, God, bring your kingdom present in this need, in this place. We have leaders available just to pray God's word over your life. If you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, you've never made that decision I would encourage you, hey, come be a part of God's kingdom. Be a citizen of God's kingdom. By His grace, there's this gift of abundant life and eternal life. So if you've not made that decision, again, leaders are here available to talk with you, pray with you this morning. I would invite you to come and see them. As you go into your week, I pray God's kingdom would come in your life, through your life in this week. Listen, I believe as we live in expectation, God shows up. And he blesses us for this reason, that we might be a blessing to others. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.